there's ghosts haunting these woods, and they're headed straight for Roaring Camp Railroads. Is it a trick? No, it's Thomas and Percy's Halloween party. And with a bounce house, pumpkin patch, temporary tattoos and face painting, plus photos with Sir Top and Pat, it's certainly going to be a treat. So get down to Roaring Camp before all the fun disappears. Weekends October 12th through the 27th. to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast. My name is Travis May, and I'm joined by my co-host, Curtis Patrick. We are the Devi and Dynasty coordinators with Rotoviz, and we are excited to talk about some rookies this week. We've been talking about preseason, training camp, buys and sells, and all the noise that's going on right now amidst all the preseason action. Uh, but it's been a bit since we've just ed- dedicated a show to uh, rookie coverage. I mean, we had the Rookie Guide series uh, with DCC and uh, a whole bunch of podcasts on this topic and pre- and post-draft. But really doing a, a rookie draft do-over uh, I thought would be perfect right about now because so much has changed since May. Uh, we, we've seen all the training camps. Uh, we've heard all the buzz. And uh, we've seen some, you know... Not so mainstream names kind of come out of the woodwork and and find a place on teams, but uh, we don't want to make it too deep. We don't want to go four rounds here, so we're just going to stick to one round tonight. But uh, I think even that probably looks a little bit different than it did back in May. So, Curtis, you uh, you ready for this? Yeah, man. Uh, I've been doing nothing but drafting over the last week or so, but it's actually been really <laughs> redraft focused for me, and I've been doing a lot of prep for. Uh, the FFPC main event. So it's really awesome to come on and uh, do what I love and, and talk dynasty and, and, and get back to the rookies. We spent so much time last spring cutting yeah. this up and now um, with games just a couple weeks away, uh, it's just fun to see how things, how things move. And um, so just a reminder to everyone, um, you know, we really like to use the FFPC ADP uh, on this show. Just, you know, I, I think the high stakes nature of it, um and uh the kind of the win now win every year nature of of that brand of dynasty um can also impact uh rookie draft trends and and we see that in the ADP on our Rotoviz tools and you might see that in the way that Travis and I are drafting uh these rookies tonight so this is not going to be your traditional 25 deep roster with taxi spots and um this is mm-hmm. going to be a high stakes dynasty rookie draft uh, of the first round. So keep that in mind as we roll through this. Um, before I get us started with the 101, Travis gave me that and want to put me in the spotlight, and that's fine. I'll take it. I love being there. <laughs> you got but, it. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're going to, we, we got to pump the FFPC main event. This is the redraft uh, event of the season. Um, $500,000 to first place. We have a $3.1 million prize pool. Uh, our good buddy Sean Siegel, of course, the uh, Grand Poobah of Rotoviz, uh, and I are drafting our first team tomorrow night. Extremely excited. Well, if you're listening to this on Friday, it's Friday night. Uh, it's a 7 p.m. draft. We'll probably tweet out some links so you can follow along. Um, but extremely excited about this. We want you to join us. Um, I, I, I mean, 
eighteen fifty to buy in, but if you add a second team, they go down to fifteen hundred. Uh, and I mean, man, when you think about the opportunity to win five hundred grand and testing your medal against some of the best players in the world uh, in this exciting format, it really just does not get any better than that. So you can check out the details about the FFPC main event at myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com, and it's the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football, and it's also the place where we like to play high-stakes dynasty fantasy football. So, Travis, you got to put me on the clock, man. Heck yeah, man. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, with the first pick of the Dynasty Command Center rookie draft do-over, Curtis Patrick is on the clock. Okay, so uh, I want year one impact. Man, I want immediate impact in a high-stakes dynasty format. I'm not going to wait... I'm not going to wait a year to see what I've got from somebody. Um, And the dynamics of an FFPC dynasty league are that running backs are the currency. And, you know, I've talked all offseason about how Nikhil Harry is a sterling prospect. He's my 101 and and more of a a traditional dynasty league. You know, your your $50 buy-in with deeper rosters. I don't mind being patient. I probably built that team up. But in FFPC, running backs are currency. And I'm going to break your heart here, Travis. I'm going to go Miles Sanders at one. Oh my oh, gosh! Really? One. I'm going to yeah. Come I'm on, not letting dude. you have him at 102 because I know that's oh what you had queued gosh. up. You try to put me on the spot at 101, thinking that you just gift yourself your boy. I'm going to take him right off the top of the heap. And the reason I'm doing dude. this is the beats have just okay. We we've talked drum beats, and but I'm talking beat writers. The beat writers are in love with Miles Sanders. They love what they're seeing. Um, the Eagles coaching staff just continues to gush uh, about Miles Sanders. He's looked great in his limited opportunities in the preseason. We were already in love with his profile from an athletic standpoint. And um, yeah, this really just comes down to wanting to take one of those top three running backs. And I feel like in that Philadelphia offense tied to Carson Wentz, if he can get that bell cow role, there's nobody there like a Tariq Cohen uh, that David Montgomery is going to be dealing with. And Josh Jacobs in this same tier is with John Gruden, who has a long documented history of not really being able to prop up fantasy RB1s in a PPR format. So I'm going with Miles Sanders here. What do you think? Well, you're just a big jerk face. That's what I <laughs> think about that. All right, man. All right. I'm going to put you on the clock. That's, Update our draft That's my board. official feedback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Go find a new co-host, I guess. So, yeah, um, I guess one, I guess I just got to find yeah. <laughs> one hundred one. Miles Sanders to me. Travis May is on the clock at one hundred two. Yeah, Miles Sanders has been my running back one, regardless of this being, uh, you know, an FFPC. We want action and production now type league. I mean, Miles Sanders is my running back one, but. I think just based on the value and, and the implied opportunity early with virtually no one else that, that's going to be a viable option to com- really compete with him for, for touches. I think Josh Jacobs has to be the go-to in the second slot. Uh, I think he has a huge opportunity, even if he's not the running back uh, one that you want him to be. I think he can be a contributor. and I, I don't see any situation where he's below running back two for a team right away. And so I think that's not that I really love him as a prospect. His production profile is is gross. Uh, we don't know really what his athletic profile is. 
there's there's a lot of missing pieces to this puzzle that is Josh Jacobs. I mean, uh, the film grinders love him, uh, and I am one that uh, likes to watch film and chart running back snaps game by game. But I I really wish you hadn't taken Sanders. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Sorry, I had a little technical difficulty there, but um, Josh Jakes. I mean, for the reasons that you stated. Um, I, I can get on board in it again in, in high stakes. We're looking for that early pop. Um, and even if you don't believe in, yeah. the, in the player long term, I mean, if you get a, a strong September from any of these backs, uh, moving them for a mint um, or, you know, restructuring is, is certainly on the table. So, all right, we've got Miles Sanders 101, Josh Jacobs 102. That puts me back on the clock at 103. I already gave you my rationale for what I'm doing in an FFPC style high stakes dynasty draft. So it uh, rookie draft. So it might not surprise you that I'm going to go David Montgomery at 103. Um, and you know, again, very <laughs> difficult to pass on Nikhil Harry. But when you look at FFPC high stakes dynasty ADP. He's going at like 87 in startups. I mean, a full four rounds uh, below some of these guys. And so it's, you know, you have to understand market dynamics. And if I'm not forced to take um, Harry as early in a rookie draft, I'm not going to do it. I, I mean, I can get my guy later. So uh, I think 104 is the spot where you start talking about taking Nikhil Harry in the FFPC format. So we'll see if Travis wants to do that. But I'm going to go David Montgomery, 103. Yeah, I think that seems like a pretty chalky pick uh, right right about there, especially uh, given the, the shorter rosters. And, and even just this week, I mean, they're talking about uh, potentially peeling back uh, or limiting Tariq Cohen's role slightly in favor of David Montgomery. So that, that seems like the easy pick at three. I feel like uh, that, that one-two punch, then there's maybe a little gap there. I think at four, though, I, I can't avoid taking Nikhil Harry. Uh, obviously, if Josh Gordon comes back and is the focal point of the receiving game, that obviously dampens his short-term impact. But there's really no evidence to suggest. I mean, I, I'm rooting for Josh Gordon. I want him to succeed. I mean, uh, he was so much fun to watch when he was healthy and just clicking way back when. I guess it's it's been like four or five years ago now that, uh, that uh, he was the wide receiver one missing even a few games. But uh, I, there's no evidence to, to suggest that he's going to stay on the field and he's going to actually stick around. Uh, he hasn't done it ever, uh, so I, I hope he does. But I think the upside of Nikhil Harry uh, in, in that opportunity, even as the team's wide receiver two of, of the future in the short term, I like him. I, I mean, we've talked and, and gushed over his production profile, his early breakout age. Um, he's got decent size. He he does a lot of things from uh, pre-snap positional alignments that, that uh, I think he can line up all over the field, and a lot of people don't really take that into account. Uh, so I think he's going to find a way to, to, to be relevant early on, uh, regardless of uh, who else is there. So that's probably my, my fourth pick, and I think there's a couple other players, a couple other directions I could go, but I, I hope you, uh, you uh, reach here and <laughs> uh, I, I get a value at the next pick. Yeah, um, I, you know, I got to commend you there. Um, I think he's like in, in an FFPC style rookie draft. He would be the clear 104 for me. I think those top three running backs is kind of just what are what's the order that you put them in. Um, you know, our box score scout at Rotoviz um, obviously loves Harry for a lot of the reasons that that Travis brought up and some of those metrics. His closest comp uh, is Mike Evans. The top 10 comp list also includes Alshon Jeffrey, Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Michael Thomas. So um, there's so much to like about Harry, but I think 
um, you properly brought up the Gordon situation kind of murkying those waters. So um, in, in this style of, of draft and this style of league, Harry is more a guy I'm, I'm going to target after a rookie draft um, or, or in a rookie draft slide. Uh, then in that in that top three, so Travis goes Nikhil Harry at 104. That puts me back on the clock at 105, and this is like a big old nasty tier right here. It's kind of just which flavor do you like, <laughs> and this is going to be fun. I don't really know how the rest of the top 12 is going to land uh, because of the way that we're doing this. So um, I'm going to stick true to form um, based off of how I would attack an FFPC league, and I'm going to go Daryl Henderson here. Daryl Henderson is actually my 105 um, in, in my regular rankings as well, so I don't really have to stray from my board uh, like I did with my first two picks. Feel very comfortable here. The Rams are talking about, uh, I think the last update that I saw was they would like to get him something like 8 to 10 touches a game. Um, we've also heard rumors that you know Gurley will be like a week-to-week deal where if the knee's just feeling a little inflamed, uh, or a little rickety uh, that they may just rest him. I mean, there could be some games where Hendo gets the entire bulk of the carries. Obviously, in the unfortunate situation for Todd Gurley, if he were to have a, a you know, significant setback with that knee or you know fall to a devastating injury, we're talking about Daryl Henderson having overall RB1 uh, within his range of outcomes in any season. Uh, in that um, high-flying Rams offense. And, the, and, I mean, just the sheer number of touchdowns that Gurley's put up the last couple of years, just uh, mind-boggling. So uh, the types of things that we haven't seen um, for several years until he did it in 2017 and again last year. So Daryl Henderson, very easy pick for me. Um, just a reminder, some of the reasons that we're on him at Rotoviz, you know, his per-touch efficiency in college, basically the most efficient running back ever in college football <laughs> history. Um, despite his short stature, he's actually got a decent BMI. We like that. So his weight adjusted speed score is still pretty nice. Um, you know, just, just plenty to like about Daryl Henderson and, uh, really excited to see what he can do in LA. So Travis, we're at the halfway point after your pick here, one Oh six, what direction are you going to go? You know, I, I was hoping that you were uh, going to let him slide, but given uh, our, both our opinions uh, of him prior to the draft, uh, I thought uh, he's probably probably going to go here, especially with the girly situation and and uh, just his incredible production profile that we both were a fan of. And I'm actually a fan of uh, Patrick Taylor uh, having a big role in scoring 25 touchdowns or so for Memphis this year. But that's another time, another another story for another day, maybe next year. But in this sixth slot, I think if you were actually in in a competitive draft that was uh, kind of short term focused, looking for some production right away in some capacity, in some in some ways, you might see uh, you might begin to think of a, you know a T.J. Hawkinson, Noah Noah Fant at tight end, or even like a Kyler Murray, just because of people valuing him as like the QB six already. Uh, before he even really plays a snap. But I'm going to actually stick at the skill positions. I'm going to go with Paris Campbell uh, in Indy. I think. Oh, man. I, that, I did not see that coming. <laughs> yes, I love it. Yeah, man. Okay. Now tell me why. I'm going to go that direction. Why. 106. Well, first off, first off, I think uh, Andrew Luck is going to be healthy at some point. And I think that that connection is going to be so. real. I he's think. got he's going to be alive yeah, for like fifty so. more years. <laughs> yeah, so he's going to be healthy at some point. I know we, we we like to overreact to the short term news anytime there's anything that goes wrong health wise, mm-hmm. but I think that uh, Devin Funches has never been a good wide receiver. 
Uh, he's there for like one year, and people forget that he's going to be on the couch in a couple seasons anyway. So I think that there's really not much competition there uh, besides T.Y. Hilton in the receiving game. I think we saw some crazy touchdowns, touchdown numbers from Eric Ebron this year. I think that comes down to earth. Paris Campbell just creates separation on his own with the speed and his athleticism on everything underneath. And Ohio State did not use him as a deep threat, but given his 4-3 speed, I think he could definitely use that in the pro. So if, if they find a way to get creative and, and just actually target him in the areas of the field where he can beat you deep and, and creating yak underneath, I think he's going to be a high-volume play faster than uh, many might think. So I think at the sixth slot, I'm loving Paris Campbell right there. But that, that may seem crazy to some, but I think the opportunity – is going to show that it's it's much better than any of us uh, could have ever imagined. But and plus, I just wanted to get revenge and take your Ohio State guy since you took Miles Sanders earlier. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I I love it. I, this is a this is a curveball. A couple picks before I, I thought he might be on your board still as a first rounder. Didn't expect him to go off there, but man, it's going to be tough to uh, top those first six picks. Just in a recap here. Uh, 101 was Miles Sanders, 102 Josh Jacobs, 103 David Montgomery, 104 Nikhil Harry, 105 Daryl Henderson, and 106 Paris Campbell to Travis. So before we get to the 107 in the back half of the August uh, first round rookie redraft, we've got to tell you about Yahoo DFS and in particular the NFL million dollar baller contest for week one this is a one million dollar guaranteed prize pool with 100k to first 50k to second um this you know this is not the type of contest you see often with a flatter payout at the top um many souls and dreams have been just crushed um just missing by that you know partial point between first and second and, and losing a ton and you know fifty thousand dollar drop off is significant but um this isn't like some other uh, high payout contest that you might be familiar with where the drop-off's even worse. There's no management fee, zero management fee. Every dollar of this prize pool uh, of entry into this prize pool is being paid out. There's a 10-entry max. Don't have to worry about the big trains. It's $25 to enter, and 25% of the field is going to be paid out at least double their entry fee. So one in four chance to win uh, at least twice your money. And a chance at 100K at the very tippy top. There's also a $100,000 guaranteed prize pool contest with $20,000 to first. Uh, just a low 12% management fee on that. And then uh, for those of you that might not want to throw in 25 bucks or 10 bucks uh, on a couple entries, we've got the NFL Yahoo Cup. This is free to enter, and they still give away $5,000 in weekly prizes, including $1,000 to first. Over the course of the season, there are $150,000 in total prizes. 10k to first overall over the course of the season and uh what they do is it's actually a cumulative scoring design and they drop your lowest two scores um, from your total at the end of the year if over the course of the year in the nfl yahoo cup you somehow play the perfect lineup and we're talking optimal optimal lineup so uh, leave no points on the table highest possible scoring team of the week in any combination they're going to give you a million bucks, okay? Why would you not sign up for a Yahoo DFS account and at least play the NFL Yahoo Cup? So um, if you've never opened an account, go over there and do that with your deposit. Use code VIZ25, that's V-I-Z-25, 
and they're going to give you 25 bucks uh, with that deposit. Uh, you really can't beat that. So again, 2019 is the year to check out Yahoo DFS and make that uh, the home of your uh, daily fantasy sports journey. All right, Travis, second half of the draft. I'm back on the clock. Let's do this. You just took Paris Campbell, so I'm 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 reeling here. Um, now FFPC is tight end premium. It's tight end premium, so we can't forget that. I'm not going to use that. I'm not going to use that play here. Um, but it's going to come into play, I think, in the second half of this first round. I'm going to stick to my board again now because um, some of those higher end running backs are gone, and I feel comfortable with Andy Isabella. Uh, is my six mm. overall, Man. and I get him at I get him at seven here, and um, you know, I, I think that one's going to sting you a little bit because I know how well Andy Isabella <laughs> scored in your API, your adjusted production index, and that's not the only reason that we love uh, Andy Isabella. Um, I also love the landing spot. I love that he's with Kyler Murray. I love the type of offense he landed in, given his skill set, and I really think that uh, toward the back half of year one. Uh, he could really start to provide some value in, uh, in a PPR league. And by year two, could really be one of those players that's popping big time. So Andy Isabella is my selection at 107. I can't argue with that. I, I definitely like his production profile. I like uh, that he just – all he does is score deep touchdowns. Uh, in the eight-game sample that I charted, all of the touchdowns that he scored were at least 37 yards or more in last year in 2018 11 of his 13 touchdowns went for 37 yards or more so uh, a deep threat that uh, kind of looks undersized doesn't play undersized and has four three wheels Uh, I'm I'm a fan Uh, obviously I think Rotoviz I can't find anywhere that's higher on Andy Isabella than the Rotoviz team just I think I think he is going to have a great opportunity by the end of this year, even though Michael Crabtree was just signed yesterday. I'm not sure what his role really looks like uh, this season. I I like Christian Kirk, and I think the future of the NFL at wide receiver looks more like Andy Isabella and Christian Kirk than it does, uh, you know, Hakeem Butler and that that archetype of wide receiver. But, uh, yeah, you definitely took a player I would have probably considered in that spot. But I do – value the tight end premium position and i am going to uh at the next pick in the eighth pick of this rookie draft do-over i'm gonna go with tj hawkinson i think at this point you know an early first tight end selection that's somebody that is a trade ship in tight end premium and i think he's going to produce right away uh and immediately be better than whatever eric ebron used to be uh in in detroit and uh and so i think I, i like his chances to produce early I think he has the most balanced skill set uh, of any tight end in this class. And he really he actually outsnapped Noah Fant in their final season together at Iowa uh, for good reason because he can both block and catch. So I think he's got a great floor, uh, and I think he could nab some touchdowns too. Oh, wow. I, I love that. I hope that you stock up on corn and protein powder. I think you're going to need that to keep your guy happy. <laughs> Um, probably (laughs) yeah Uh, TJ Hawkinson definitely can't argue with that and you know that's been kind of a back and forth um, consideration between he and Noah Fant I mean I think Hawkinson being more of a sure thing to get uh, a higher snap volume because of his versatility Mm -hmm. at the position Fant being more of 
the type of player like a Mark Andrews that it maybe has some holes in his game, but we know how dynamic and dangerous he can be, uh, you know, as, as a, a big slot um, and, and get in those matchups. So, uh, unfortunately, Fant's been a little ouchy throughout camp. Um, and I think he's going to be off to a real slow start this year. So, I, you know, I think Hawkinson has a chance to, to pop a little bit earlier. And, I mean, basically looking for anything to break the tie between those guys. So, uh, i also take at this point uh, Matt Stafford maybe slightly over uh, Joe, handsome Joe Flacco. Um, at 109, I'm going to get another one of my guys, man. I'm loving this draft. I wish this draft was real. Uh, J.J. <laughs> Ortega Whiteside, baby, at 109. Um, Give me uh, Jaws, <laughs> and uh, by next year, he's going to be basically Alshon Jeffrey uh, in that Philadelphia offense by 2020. I am pumped about getting Ortega Whiteside here at 109. Um, just such an awesome red zone weapon, and uh, he's a high pointer. He can do the in-traffic stuff, um, but just, just a relentless worker. I mean, all of the things that you read uh, – you know, in the in the pre-draft evaluation, we're about kind of how Stanford would just drape four corners on him and in practice, and he'd still come up with the ball somehow. And um, he's really impressed <laughs> um, the coaching staff, the beat writers, everyone uh, in Philadelphia uh, can kind of see what he's got there. So Ortega Whiteside, one hundred nine, joins my stable, a growing stable of wide receivers now, and uh, you're back on the clock at one ten, Travis. Yeah, so you must be a fan of my uh, adjusted production index because uh, the, the Andy Isabella and and JJ Arcega Whiteside that's numbers one and two. Uh, if if we look at uh, that when you mix it with draft capital, just that looks like those guys are almost in a can't miss tier. Really, uh, Andy well, Isabella I, certainly is. Yeah, you're not you're not wrong. I mean, I tweeted out a couple months ago, back in June, I think when when you took that thing public. I mean, adjust and and we'll talk about this maybe in like a a heavy bye week this fall again we'll bring it back up uh with some Debbie updates yeah. or something but adjusted production index absolutely should impact the way we view rookies moving forward the way we handle Debbie moving forward i mean i think it's it's a great uh it's a great um output of some uh various metrics that we we already um love and believe in and it's just a, a fantastic way to actually just measure um, what we should uh, be doing with these players. So uh, Andy Isabella, J.J. Ortega, Whiteside, whether or not uh, adjusted, in, adjusted production index would have liked them. Um, there were other reasons that I liked them. The fact that they score highly there uh, is just um, confirmation bias for me uh, for sure. So, yeah, I, I love <laughs> that they score high in your model, and that gives me some confidence moving forward for sure. So you're back on the clock at 110. What are you going to do here? Yeah. Well, I, I, before somebody just screams and loses their mind that we haven't taken DK Metcalf at uh, pick mm, ten, mm. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to go that direction. He's not somebody that uh, had a perfect production profile or or even uh, stayed healthy uh, throughout his collegiate career. I mean, he was for the most part, but he you know missed some time with the neck injury, of course, uh, this past season, and uh, is already having to get something cleaned up, having a minor surgery, I guess this. This preseason not ideal, but I think that uh, that that lets him slide a little bit here, and I, I don't even mind just drafting him as an asset to move after the rookie draft and after he does come back and after he, he connects with Russell Wilson on a deep ball or two after week four. I'm okay moving him if I don't have to rely on his uh, immediate production uh, or immediate you know 
impact in the next three years or, or whatever it is that uh, you like to prioritize. Uh, so with him, I think the value is just too much. That, that I, I know that I, I saw somebody joke this week about. Well, they asked him to to you know run you know any route besides a, a go or a curl, and he broke already. And it's kind of funny, but it's kind of true. He just doesn't have much a uh, much experience outside of uh, the, the simplest of, a, of routes and a route tree. But there's all sorts of narratives surrounding DK Metcalf, but I think. The value is just too much at pick 10 in a rookie draft right now to to not take him. Yeah, and he he's getting that um, that lower quad built back up to support the knee uh, with like some sort of electric uh, stimulation therapy or something like that. I, I saw him, his uh, a close-up of mm-hmm. his leg hooked up to this thing that just kept flexing his quad over and over and over again. I'm like, the last thing that we need or that the NFL needs is DK Metcalf that is now being like uh, a lab mm-hmm. experiment. He already looks like a lab experiment, but now he's literally <laughs> using machines to grow his muscles bigger. Um, so, you know, hopefully this doesn't become like a David Boston situation with uh, with DK Metcalf. But um, yeah, in all seriousness, Sean Siegel um, did mention DK Metcalf on his list of potential year one breakout um, wide receivers. And, um, you know, I think uh, you and I both uh, – see Tyler Lockett taking a step forward there, me in particular, uh, really just see him growing into that volume. Um, but with Russell Wilson's deep ball efficiency, uh, Metcalf could be a very dangerous fantasy asset uh, as soon as he's healthy. So pick 111. It's my last pick of this first round um, rookie draft do-over. And, you know, it is tight end premium. And even though he's a little bit ouchy, this is a perfect spot for me to grab Noah Fant. Um just incredible athlete um and you know i the wide receiver position in denver uh isn't really much to run, uh, write home about and so i think that once he does have a chance to familiarize himself with uh the coaching staff and how they think that they can maximize his effectiveness in that scheme there's no reason you know as soon as year two i mean that offense could really be going through him you know we could be looking at you know a george kittle like um, focus on him, a Jordan Reed like focus on him, where uh, it's running game and it's seam routes from Noah Fant. And so, very happy to add him to my stable. You get to make the Mister Irrelevant pick at one twelve. <laughs> yeah, Mister Irrelevant, rounding out round one <laughs> of a rookie <laughs> draft. Uh, I, I think that I, I kind of hate having the last pick here because I, I kind of want to go like three or four different directions with this pick. I, although I think I want to take Kyler Murray just off of his current value, uh, but I just don't usually spend that kind of capital in one quarterback type leagues. Obviously, Kyler would be near the 1.01, if not the first pick in uh, you know super flex formats. But in one quarterback, I got to abstain from making that selection and i you know want to go aj brown because i believed in him pre-draft and it would be the homer Mm -hmm. titans pick for me and i I even want to you know potentially give a a look to uh, marquise hollywood brown because he actually had a pretty impressive uh final couple years of of college uh production especially this this past season with his yards per team pass attempt kind of fixing up his adjusted production index as well obviously he had the foot issue he had the uh, you know the the size issues, but I I still believe in Hollywood. But I, right now, because I just want to get his name inside the first round conversation, because I, I thought for a long time, given his uh, Devi upside and and Devi value and and what he did at Oklahoma State, he should be 
uh, in this type of tier in terms of talent and uh, just missed the cutoff that we typically want to see with draft capital uh, for running backs. But Justice Hill going early fourth round and uh, having uh, to compete with basically just a, a breaking down Mark Ingram, whatever the heck we want to call it, Gus Edwards, uh, on a very, very run-heavy Ravens team in, in a situation very rem- reminiscent of Alvin Kamara just a couple years ago, kind of looking like he's a, a mid-round pick or early kind of pick. His, you know, Kamara was a third-round guy. Justice Hill, uh, he, he had a, a I got to remind you guys, he, he was super quick at the combine, had a 94th percentile vertical jump, 97th in the broad. And that's because that dude has has tree trunks for legs. He was squatting 600 pounds like two and a half years ago. Uh, he's got just amazing burst and vision. He can catch the ball as a receiver out of the backfield. Does he have ideal feature back size? Absolutely not. But I think that he, he can still add a few pounds and maintain maintain some speed. And I think he's going to be a really good running back for quite some time. So if he works into uh, starter snaps by the end of the season, which I believe is possible, or even just uh, the 1B in that situation, his value is going to skyrocket and and burst past anyone that uh, might still be going ahead of him at the end of round one or early round two. So I think Justice Hill uh, may sound like a hot take, but it really isn't. It really shouldn't be given his resume in college. And what we know about what he can do, just uh, just as a balanced player. But I'm curious of your thoughts on on that pick, Curtis. Yeah, I can't I can't argue with the Justice Hill pick there. I mean, he's shown us plenty in in the preseason. Um, the the rushing volume that's available uh, in Baltimore, um, the the athletic measurables. I mean, everything that you mentioned. Um, this is a spot in the draft that a lot of a lot of players are are really. Um, in consideration, especially some of these sleeper running backs that are that are rising. Hill's kind of been there all along, but I think arguments can be made for um, players like Devin Singletary. If you're in love with even like Darwin Thompson or Tony Pollard or somebody like that, I mean, it, these these players um, once somebody pops, it just it, it's kind of hard to tell where they're going to end up getting. And so, if you really believe in what you've seen, or um, you're really pumped about that role it feels so much worse to not get your guy. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if Hill's your guy there and, and there's multiple receivers that you like uh, that you can get a couple of picks lower, yeah, then you got to take them. So I got I got no problem. There's no sticker shock for me seeing the 1.12 by Justice Hill instead of the 2.01. Um, it can feel weird sometimes if, if that's not something that you've seen. But FFPC format, I think that's highly defensible. I have no problems with that pick. Nice. Yeah, I, I don't either, obviously. But <laughs> I, I think uh, there, there's so many players that are right on that fringe of uh, worthy of a first-round pick. So many different directions that you could go in, in that uh, type of slot. But I think that just speaks to, um, I guess, maybe the, the confusing depth of this class. We thought that this class was going to be incredibly deep, one of the better classes we've seen at wide receiver. And it still might be the case, but I think it's just – uh, it's not as clear as we wanted it to be uh, a couple years ago when we were touting the the 2019 wide receiver class. But uh, I'm sure we'll figure things out here. Uh, and the, the first four weeks or five weeks of the season is going to change things again. Uh, we might see uh, a couple of these guys that are you know borderline second round players skyrocket in value. But 
just wanted to give us, uh, you know, an, give you all an updated snapshot of uh, where Curtis and I value some of these rookies and, and also where some of these players should be going in, in current startups. And even if you're still having a last minute rookie draft, I know I, I even had some questions this past week on people still having their rookie drafts as the season is about to begin. So any questions on this? Love, love to interact with you guys on Twitter. You can find me at FF underscore Travis M, uh, especially if you just want to tell me I'm wrong, that's fine. Uh, you can also at Curtis at C Patrick NFL on Twitter. Uh, but uh, as always, thanks for joining us on this Dynasty Command Center podcast. But until next time, keep living that Dynasty life. There's ghosts haunting these woods, and they're headed straight for Roaring Camp Railroads. Is it a trick? No, it's Thomas and Percy's Halloween party. And with a bounce house, pumpkin patch, temporary tattoos and face painting, plus photos with Sir Topham hats, it's certainly going to be a treat. So get down to Roaring Camp before all the fun disappears. Weekends October 12th through the 27th. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub drink and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub salad or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community.